Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Oh, Wendy, it's a very special Monday. It sure is, Mike. Number one, it is the 25th anniversary <laughs> of the broadcast of the X-Files today. Wow. 25 years. Yeah. Goodness. September 10th, 1993. That was the only time that I remember that date very well. Number one, because it was a high school dance. <laughs> and I taped the X-Files because I heard it was going to be a great show. So I taped the X-Files because I heard it was a good show. And oh. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. with my man Bruce Campbell was before it. Nice. So I taped it and went to the dance and then got caught by a police officer in a park and ride afterwards. Ooh, yeah. busted. Yeah, I did not know. I did not know that the windows actually steamed up. So that was the only time You're that a police officer ever knocked, knocked, said, what you guys doing? <laughs> Oh, man, that's embarrassing. Just looking for a contact officer. <laughs> it was just like in Happy Days. It was just you're, like you're in Happy Make Days. out points. <laughs> that was great. Oh, anyway. Anyway, so I remember that date very well. And I remember coming home and my dad did not like uh, the Bruce Campbell show, Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. He's like, that was pretty cheesy. But that show after <laughs> it, he's like, that show after it, you're really going to like it. So then I, I stayed up late. I stayed up to midnight or whatever to watch that first episode of The X-Files. And I did like it. And 25 years later, it was an obsession of mine for a long time. And you should have known because dad is always right. <laughs> he does. He makes a good point. He makes a fine point. <laughs> now, Wendy, welcome back to you. You went on a trip. Uh, Thank that, you. That's another reason today is special because you're back with us here in Madison. So uh, where'd y'all go? Yeah. Went on an awesome road trip with my boyfriend, Scott, mm. and uh, we went to visit some of his family, took a road trip down to Tennessee, and on our way there and back, we made a bunch of different stops at some cool locations with rumors of hauntings, uh. and we saw some places with a lot of different folklore, everywhere from Nashville to Louisville to places way out in the country. We went to this tunnel, Sensabaugh Tunnel, way out in uh, the hills of Tennessee, where there's rumored to be, uh, it's a, kind of the same situation as that place in San Antonio with the railroad tracks where, you know, if you shut your car off. So like your car will be pushed or whatever? That's what they say, that if you shut the car off in the middle of the tunnel, number one, your car won't start back up. And then number two, you'll get the little handprints from kids trying to push you out. Ghost kids, I guess. All right. So we tried it. But we didn't have that experience. So the car but just started. It was, the, the car just started right back up. Yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll be posting a video of that from okay. our experience because it was pretty cool. But um, you know, it was in the middle of the day when we visited. So who knows? Maybe in the middle of the night when it's spooky, scary. The ghost kids come out to yeah, push your car. There's some fun history there about the tunnel and you know some tragedy that happened there. So it's always interesting to follow up on that folklore and check it out and see if you find anything there. Right. Well, that's cool. But also, while we were in the Louisville area, we got to meet one of our good friends and Patreon community members, Chuck. So I have to give a huge shout out because uh, while we were there, he gave us an extensive tour of the Louisville cool paranormal haunted sites. 
and not just in Louisville, but actually across the river over in Jeffersonville and New Albany. And uh, I think it's Clarksville. Oh. We got to see the Lewis and Clark cabin and we saw the Culbertson house. What's in the Lewis and Clark cabin? Like that's where, is that where they met the first time or whatever? Or? It's a little cabin, right? You know, at the beginning of where their journey started. Oh, is, this so, Clark, is Clarksville and, named after Clark? Presumably. Holy crap. <laughs> now, I never knew that. And, and, and Louisville. Who do you think that's named after? No, it is Lewis. Oh, <laughs> no. Come on. You're blowing my mind. I had no idea that those places were named after Lewis and Clark. Now, on the Lewis and Clark topic, I just had to share with you this fact that you might appreciate. Um, yeah. We also stopped at a local distillery the next day, and um, the Evan Williams experience is in downtown Louisville. Okay. And <laughs> they have the whole history and timeline, and they said that Lewis and Clark had a uh, hundred... Oh, gosh. I'm going to mess this up. 120, I want to say, gallons of whiskey that they brought with them for their four-year journey. That Well, that seems smart. How much of the canoe would that take up, though? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I was blown away by that. I'm like, wow, all right, yeah. good planning, guys. You know, you got to have the necessities when you're on a voyage right. like that. They're out there. It's just them and Sacagawea <laughs> getting wasted by the campfire or whatever with a gallon of Evan. Was it Evan Williams whiskey? Yeah, I think so. Oh. I want to say I'm not sure. So when you drink Evan Pretty Williams, sure. I'm, I did not realize that drinking Evan Williams would be drinking like Lewis and Clark. Exactly. I guess he was like the original distiller there or something. So anyway. All right. That sounds thanks. good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink like an adventurer. Yeah. But if you're ever in Louisville or the surrounding areas, there's tons of old cool places to visit. We also checked out some of the hotels downtown. The Brown is amazing. It's a lot like the Fister in Milwaukee. Okay. And it has rumors of Mr. Brown, you know, the owner proprietor, still haunting the place, keeping an eye on the operation. That's that sounds like a character from Reservoir Dogs haunting the place. Like Mr. Uh, yeah, Brown, exactly. Mr. White, Mr. Pink there. Steve Buscemi haunts it. <laughs> right. Well, he was a real character apparently, so and those are the kind of people that usually turn up as ghosts and then we went to the Seelbach Hilton which also has a rumored blue lady and that's referenced in the Great Gatsby it's the place where Tom and Daisy got oh. married so it's a real cool old place but that's anyway cool. I had a great time I mean I'm excited to be back because we've got so much going on and so much to do but I had a blast and I want to you know once again thanks Chuck for everything and for showing us around a place that we weren't familiar with the coolest stuff there and looking forward to the next road trip. Well, now I'm jealous and I want to go down to Louisville and, and, and hang out. I want to meet Evan Williams and Chuck. You should. All right. Well, that <laughs> sounds good, guys. good. Maybe we'll go down to the Paracon down there. There's a Paracon in Louisville, right? There's That's a, right. A Midwest a huge one. or something. Yeah. So we should yeah, go we down there. Yeah, we got to check that out. And we can interview some people and have a seat on this side table. And then all you Louisvillians, Louis villains, can come in and say hi. Um, That'd be fun. Well, that sounds great. So, Wendy, while you were away, it became fall in Wisconsin. Like, it just overnight. I noticed that. And it stopped raining, too. Yes, it did. Well, it's still pretty flooded. I posted something on my Instagram the other day of when I was trying to run through uh, oh. the, the bike trail. And it actually... You had to swim through it. It was a pool in the street. It was a straight-up pool oh, in the street. Wow. I think I, I, I captioned something like it was a live-action game of Pitfall. Like I saw that this is big enough. It was a huge pool in the street. And so there, everything's still closed off the beer garden where I usually go to right by the lake. Half of that is underwater still. So, wow. But yeah. the ghost tours are still on. Oh, absolutely. 
Great. So if you guys are listening to us and you're anywhere near the Twin Cities, St. Paul, Minneapolis, Stillwater, uh, you, there, we have a ghost tour going there. So just check those out. You can If you Stillwater ghost, you find it. Or anywhere in southeastern, south central Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Waukesha, Lake Geneva, Madison. Haunted history is in bloom, my friends. Yes. It's that time of year. The best. September through October. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the first day of fall and equinox. Hang on. Let me go get some apple cider. All right. Well, we'll be talking about apples in a little bit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because apple, I mean, traditionally, this is the time of the harvest and the leaves, they have already started changing. So that, like I said, like it just, fall Uh just showed up, like woke up one day last week and it was, today it was in the 40s. At six o'clock in the morning. I know. Uh, so, right. And so all of a sudden we go to, it was, you know, 75 degrees when you wake up at 6 a.m. two weeks ago. And today it's 45. Shocking. So, Shockingly uh, cold. So, so, fu- <laughs> so I was, I was given the shocker this morning by old man winter when it's 45 degrees, uh, wow. my window was open. Um. Okay. So here's the thing. The equinox <laughs> is the first day of fall. And so when I say equinox, Wendy, what do you think of well, I mean, first of all, I think of my birthday since it's on one of the equinoxes. Oh, it's on the vernal equinox, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think of, you know, being the self-centered person. That <laughs> no, I would think about that too. I'd be like, yeah, equinoxes are cool because my birthday uh, is yeah. on the equinox. But no, I mean, I, typically it makes me think of the, well, the changing the seasons. Yeah. And also the, brings to mind the, like the pagan rituals that go along with that and the the bonfires and the naked dancing around the bonfires human and, sacrifice yeah yeah <laughs> so, well, maybe the wicker that, man stuff about, we love. Like, yeah maypoles and whatnot <laughs> okay i'm with you the the first thing i usually think of number one is the balancing an egg you know, oh yeah there's a there's a myth that you can only balance an egg like during the equinox because of the rotation of the earth <laughs> and the gravity yeah sure. okay have That's, you tested that it's, I don't have to test it. It's bullcrap. <laughs> like, you, I mean, that's, you can balance an egg anytime. It doesn't get easier on the equinox or anything like that. But this is oh. one of those things as a little kid, you know. I mean, dang. My father was a science teacher. So it's hard to, it was hard for me to get away, you know, because it'd be like, oh, you, you know, dad, this kid's at school told me it's crap. They're lying to you. Forget about it. Just like when they tell you they like you, they're lying to you about this, boy. Oh, come on now. We had a, a tough love in the Huberty household. Bob wasn't that cruel. <laughs> so, no. So I think about that. You know, that was the first myth. I think you think about the days and nights are equal measure. Right. And also. Depressing. <laughs> yeah. Right. That all of a sudden it's going to be, it's, it starts getting <sighs> darker and it gets, I mean, when we're at our lowest amount of light, it probably gets to be like six hours of daylight. So it is pretty, yeah. you know, it's quick. Well, yeah. It does get uh, pretty gnarly in there. Um, but nothing like our friends up in Canada. No. I mean, or like Iceland, where <laughs> that's, I mean, and then the movie 30 Days a Night is all about when it gets dark all the time, because then vampires can come party all the time, because 30 Days True. a Night. Yeah. So, yes. So, I think, but you know, it's starting to get dark. The leaves are changing. You know, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but it's been a long time because I remember we talked about like Halloween traditions and everything probably around 200 episodes ago. Wow. Uh, yeah. Because you think this, we're coming on to uh, the fourth year of the podcast this Halloween. I can't believe that. Yeah, That's it's been insane. four years. 
four years and 200 some. This is episode 213. It blows my mind. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, the ancients <laughs> believed that when it starts getting darker out at night, the veil between the worlds is thinning. Oh, yes. So the, so the time of harvest is when spirits can slip through, where the penumbra or whatever that separates us from the other side, the afterlife, um, that's when it starts getting more open. And that's why, like, you know, pagans, their big festival is Samhain, obviously, where it's supposed to be totally open and, you know, spirits just walking around goosing you. Real quick, I think it's pronounced Samhain. Samhain? Yeah. Okay. All right. I like that. <laughs> I just, I think it's Sam Hain because I pronounce it like the... It looks like Sam Hain. And that's how Glenn Danzig pronounced it in his band. He had a band called Sam Hain after the the Misfits. That's hilarious. And then there was the big pumpkin head ghost from the real Ghostbusters used the name Sam Hain too. Oh, well, maybe there's multiple ways to pronounce it. Well, I mean, it's just the the way the English people uh, in America, the way we bastardize pronunciations. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll get there once we start talking about Mobin or Amabin. I'm sorry, that's, that's the festival, the pagan festival we're about to come to uh, at the Equinox. It was named like in the 70s with the Nego, neo-pagans. They pronounced it Mabin. And that's mm. based on a, a, a Welsh character who's actually an Arthurian legend. And that's when you can really tell that we're American because when we start looking at these Welsh names, it's just going to be... <laughs> Forget about it. Like it, those are the hardest names. <laughs> they are in the world, and there's so many consonants. Uh, that I was doubled and stuff. Anyway, you guys know, you guys understand. <laughs> so okay, so let's let's talk about some weird things about the equinox. You know, we just started out saying when is the equinox going to be this year? It's going to be on September 23rd in 2018, and 1:54. Is the time, I guess I don't know what time, that's probably 154 Greenwich Mean Time or whatever, ah. is the time where everything's aligned up. So that's the time you actually, you're supposed to plunge the knife into the human sacrifice or whatever, oh. <laughs> right at 154 Greenwich Mean Time. Great, good when to you, know. When you lay out the virgin at Stonehenge, and Stonehenge actually has a cool Equinox tour you can go on. Oh, so, sweet. So Wendy, if you have 99 pounds... If you have 99 pounds, you could go on the Stonehenge tour. And, Except that uh, I have to get to Stonehenge. That's the thing. Ugh. So here's how they describe it on like StonehengeTours.com. <laughs> so you can't really, I mean, this is probably where you can get the closest to Stonehenge too. Because like the rest of the year, you can't really get at it. You know, like Stonehenge from like behind the fence or whatever. So this is, this is where you can get on the rocks. Ah, that's surprising they let people do that. It's an ad hoc celebration that brings together England's New Age tribes, neo-Druids, neo-pagans, Wiccans, with ordinary families, tourists, and travelers. About 100 people come out for the, uh, the Equinox party. And for many, the impulse to arrive at Stonehenge in time for the Equinox is a little like all those people drawn to the strange rock in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's akin to a spiritual experience. Anyone who has witnessed the crowd become silent as the sky begins to brighten can attest to that. So they talk about what a beautiful place it is. And there's some awesome pictures of like dudes in masks, like with uh, like pentagrams and capes. I mean, it looks awesome. Like I totally want to go there and party with everybody on the Equinox Tour of Stonehenge. If you guys haven't heard our song, Mother of Time, off Weirdest Hits. Oh, yeah. 
That's all about partying at Stonehenge. Yeah, look at all the people playing drums. Yeah. It looks fun. Right. It's a big hippie drum party. <laughs> Circle. Pagans and stuff. We have our own. We have a soul. St- um, they have like an Equinox uh, drum circle in Madison, of course, at the <laughs> park right by my house. And it's like a dusk or whatever before the Equinox and everybody will come out there, get high and play drums. Nice. So, well, that's that's what to do. And so we have our own little pagan ritual here in Madison. Uh, but so that's one of the things you can do if you're interested in the equinox. You can be become so Mabin and celebrating the autumnal equinox. Um, for Mabin, let's go into who that was. Yeah, okay? who was that? Well, he was a, a Welsh hero whose name means son of the mother, which is like, well, okay, he's the <laughs> son. Of, we're all the son of the mother. Is that from the Department of Redundancy Department? <laughs> I believe that is from the Department of Redundancy Department. <laughs> And but his mother was the goddess Modron, so she's the the great giver of life and everything in like Welsh, Welsh mythology. So the son of the mother, like he really is the son of the like the big mother, the Earth Mother, ah, the mother. Yes, and he was stolen from his mother at three days old. Okay, Ooh, so. Sad. And right, the legend is that he's stolen and he's taken somewhere beyond Hadrian's wall. So they grab him, take him out. And then later on, uh, King Arthur gets the job to find him. And he gets a bunch of his round table knights or whatever. And they go and they've got to free uh, Mabin from his prison. And the idea is, it's kind of like Demeter and Persephone in the underworld. The idea that when Mabin was taken away from the mother, uh, she decided to take away her gifts. So that's why we have fall and things start dying and you eventually have winter because the mother's taking away her gifts of life and stuff because somebody stole her kid. Hmm. And then, you know, the idea is that uh, King Arthur is going to get him back with a bunch of his buddies and they need the help of these magical animals to find it. So they need the help of a stag. They need the help of the salmon. They have to go talk to a salmon who's the wisest creature, the oldest creature in all of <laughs> Wales is okay. a salmon. <laughs> it tastes so really I don't, good too. Yeah. Right. It's delicious. Um, with a little teriyaki sauce <laughs> and you spread them on a bagel. No, but <laughs> So, but they go, they go, they go eat the salmon, the wise salmon. No, they don't eat the salmon. But the idea is King Arthur's given these impossible tasks and one is breaking Mabon out. And so he starts becoming uh, associated with the harvest. This character, Mabon, because, or Mabon, I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's a whole bunch of ways you can say it. Mabon, Mabon, Maboon. Or Mabon, are all the ways you can wow. say it. And so, uh, talk about the symbols and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm in the official wicca.com here. So I don't know if that makes me, you know, if this is the official from the wicca people. But I don't think they, Wiccans are as uh, maybe stringent about the rules as like the Catholic Church or whatever. I don't know. There's no Pope of Wicca. There's no, how would you call a female Pope? A papette? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Right? Because in the Catholics, you never have a female Pope. So. But anyway, so there's no there's no pipette of Wicca, mm. but so the symbolism 
of the holiday is the second harvest, and that's time to collect things. A quality balance. The apple is a big one. So the fall is the time for apple magic, Wendy. Ooh, that sounds fun. Is that like the newest device? Right, that's what I'd say. They're actually, the funny thing is, fall is the time for apple magic, because that's when they, in September, is when they announce the new iPhones. Uh, Okay, well, there you go. They actually have an iPhone event on Wednesday. So when you think about Apple, Wendy, what's your first, not Apple computer or whatever, don't think about (laughs) Steve Jobs here, but when you think about apples and magic, what's the first thing you think about? Magic? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it makes me think a little bit of the Halloween tradition of bobbing for apples. Okay. That's the harvest time. There you go. But magic? What I think of is what the- Snow White. Oh, yeah. The poisonous apple. She She was given a poison apple. Magic poison apple. And then Eve, of course- Oh, gosh. The apple yes. of knowledge. How could She's I given the apple. forget? But I think of when I was in seventh grade or whatever, and the girls used to take the apples for lunch, and then you'd twist the apple and say oh, the alphabet. Yeah. So for every yeah. So every twist is A, B, C, D, and whatever, whatever letter the stem came out as would be the first <laughs> letter of the name of the boy you would marry. Yeah, and the poor bastards whose names are at the end of the alphabet never. <laughs> right. Because it would always be like five twists and it's gone. <laughs> yeah, there's not, like Zane never gets put oh. out. That Zane or Yancey. Yeah. Or Xavier. Or what's a what's a V name? The guy's V name. Uh, Victor. Yeah, Vic. Right. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I'm like, because I keep going to the end of the alphabet. I'm like, V, like Victoria. Think, okay, right. Victor. Perfect. So the thing is, that's one of the first things I think. But that's, I mean, that comes from a long tradition of apples for foretelling the future. So you peel the apple and you keep the peel in as long as a piece as possible. Okay. So when the, pe- when the peel comes off, you drop it on the floor and you see if it forms a letter. Oh, that's fun. So if it twists itself into an S or a J or it's a straight line with an I, uh-huh. and uh, that will be the first initial of your true love's name. Aww. So that's something. Now you see it's never going to, so this is where guys like me get screwed because it's never going to form an M. <laughs> Like, you're not going to drop the peel, and then well, it's going to have it be a double. It might be less likely to occur. Yeah, totally less likely. It's, it's like being the Z at the end of the thing. Because, you, yeah, at you the need of, the peel to be really long. Yeah, and it has to be super long. And it has to be, like, magical itself yeah. that it formed an M. It's true. Who dropped on the floor and looked chick out? <laughs> so the golden lady, it just it arched perfectly twice. So here's a little thing you can do uh, on the solstice, if you like. You can wait until midnight and cut an apple into nine pieces. Take the pieces into a dark room with a mirror. Uh, it says either hanging on the wall or a ha- even a handheld mirror will do. And at midnight, begin eating the pieces of an apple while looking into the mirror. When you get to the ninth piece, throw it over your shoulder and the face of your lover should appear in the mirror. That's creepy. Yeah. So like the face of your stalker will appear in the mirror. Yeah. that's. Uh, I don't know about that. Oh, and... And now, let's say you have several sutors. <laughs> okay. You peel the apple and pull out the seeds. Place a wet seed on your cheek for each of your suitors. Okay. And the last one, the last one left stuck to the skin will represent the suitor who is your true love. Oh, so you have to like name them. You have to like mark them off. Yeah, name. Keep track of them. Yeah. So like this seed is Bill. <laughs> this seed would be Pete. Are those your suitors, Mike? Those are my suitors. This Bill and Pete. Bill, Bill, Pete, and uh, Victor. 
are all on my face. The V's. <laughs> so which one shall it be? Okay, the last one. So that's a, that's a funny thing. So, but it's funny that these Apple Magics all are all associated with lovers. But it's not that weird because testosterone also peaks in the autumn. Oh dear! So help us all. Yes, the testosterone peak. Well, for men and women, that is the uh, that is the main hormone behind the love drive. Ha! Uh-huh. And so testosterone peaks in the fall, and so this is the uh, the ideal time for reproduction. Well then, isn't is yeah? Is, is, and so you can see why all these apple traditions have to do with finding lovers, because this is when people are the randiest. Uh. And what else? Oh, it's, it, one of the big reasons is, is the cooling temperatures is the reason that men particularly have more testosterone production because the hot temperatures make it harder for hormone and sperm uh, production. Okay. So, All right. There's our little physiology lesson for the day. Yeah. So a little bit about fall there. The equinox, if you find yourself like, you know, just... Looking at your lover like, oh, yeah. After the equinox, it's because that is the whole natural way. And it, that is nature's way of saying it's fall time. Let's let's put on some berry white there. and make some magic <laughs> exactly. happen. Other cool things about the uh, apple magic. I mean, the apple is associated with immortality. Okay. Apple a day. That's one of the th- yeah, apple a day keeps the doctor away. And there's a there's actually a harvest ritual for Mabin with once you harvest the apple, you cut the apple through the middle and then kind of where the you know the seeds are and stuff, that's where you'll see like a five pointed star. Oh. It looks like a Yeah. You know, and so they see that as a as a magical symbol. Uh, you know, a symbol of divine and stuff. That's one of the reasons that guy had a five pointed star on his cape or whatever when he was at Stonehenge. Uh-huh. So uh, you light your harvest candles, you face whatever altar you have, and your altar will be full of like gourds and things like that. Mm, cool. Can you eat a gourd? Um, I think, yeah, I think some of them are like squash that are just dried out, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I really, I should probably look it up what a gourd is. But like the idea, I mean, I think of gourds as just something that like people have in their houses in the fall. Like I don't think of it as something that, that lasts forever. I think it's just, yeah, yeah, I think it's like a, a form of squash that's dried out. I don't know. All right. Well, put a gourd in your <laughs> hey. pagan, uh, <laughs> you put a gourd in your pagan harvest temple. And so you look towards the altar and then uh, it's got acorns, vines, grapes, blackberries. Probably you're going to want to have some wine before you do it. Uh, it's the harvest time. So, and you're about to, you know, you're about to do a pagan ritual. So you probably should be a little bit in the bag. And so if you're supposed to cast a circle, then go ahead and cast your circle. But you light your candles, hold the apple, raise the apple to the sky, and then you're supposed to feel the wisdom and the energy that God's coming down to you. And you say this, the apple is sacred, a symbol of the gods and holds the knowledge of the ancients inside. Tonight, I ask the gods to bless me with their wisdom. Five points in a star hidden inside, one for earth, one for air, one for fire, one for water, and the last for spirit. Turn to the south. I call upon the wise ones, the ancient gods, as the sun moves away and fire fades to be replaced with the chill of the night. Turn west. I will reflect in the guidance of the gods and let the cool autumn rains wash over me, cleansing my heart and soul. And then there's some other stuff you say. And then, uh, well, you're supposed to have some luck. 
So that's where you get the wisdom of the gods. So you're harvesting wisdom. Okay. With your apple magic. Well, I could use some of that. So maybe I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. Why not? Just grab some gourds, <laughs> get a cup of wine, and you can have your own Mabin ritual. Sounds kind of fun, actually. It does sound kind of fun. So the apple is really associated with magic rituals and things like that that people perform on Maven. And I know we're being, you know, cavalier about this because it is, you know, it's overdramatic and things like that. But you have to be overdramatic. And as we talked to Dean Radin in his book, Real Magic, it's that going through the ritual that right. makes things happen. Yes. You know, so True. you got it. You turn to the West, turn to the South. You go through each little part of it. And uh, that's what makes all the difference. Like it solidifies your belief. Right. And I just think that's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Something else that I had no idea when we were researching about this, about the equinox, that I hadn't heard of before. But do you know the story uh, in the Bible, Wendy, about Abraham having to sacrifice his son Isaac? You ever heard that? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, so that's one where God's like, you say, you you guys love me, right? You really, really love me. (laughs) Well... How much do you love me? Uh-oh. Do you love me enough to kill your son? Oh. Yeah. He totally says it to Abraham. And Abraham's like, oh, I don't really, God, jeez. Wow. Rough. I don't really want to kill my son. But for you, I mean, the thing is, God is talking to him. <laughs> so, like, it's different than if, like, you just, it just pops into your head, like, oh, maybe I should kill my son. So, Abraham's about to go and do it. Like, it's called the binding of Isaac. Oh, man. And he sets him up. And this is actually, he, I didn't know that he did it on the autumnal equinox. Oh. So that was um, the time that he's going to go. He's all set up. He's about to kill his son. Abraham's about to stab Isaac in the heart man. during the equinox. So there, there is our human sacrifice for the equinox. And it's not even yeah. pagan. It's uh, Judeo-Christian. Um. And then God comes and goes, well, he sends an angel down. It's like, just kidding. Just kidding. Just Unbelievable. That's, like, just, that's a mean trick. Well, it's, it is Old Testament God. An Old Testament God <sighs> is, a, is a vengeful yeah. and angry one. Right. And so he, like, he's like, just kidding. Here. You passed the test, though. <laughs> yeah, you got it. It totally did. Like, we weren't going to make you kill your kid. Ah, <sighs> funny, right? God's Hilarious. like, you'd imagine they're like pointing right. Like he, he's got his hat backwards. He's pointing uh, right at Abraham. He's like, ha ha, gotcha. So terrible. Uh, yeah. So he was punked. God played the Ashton Kutcher character and punked Abraham Man in the binding of Isaac. So then he still had to kill a ram and drink its blood. So they still sacrificed something. That's gross. Yeah. Uh, it just wasn't his son. Now from this though, comes this superstition um and in hebrew it's to watch me butcher this to kufut or to kufut or tchufut to kufut okay i'm apologize to any hebrew speakers out there or turnings of the sun uh that's what turnings of the sun uh is in hebrew and so they have this weird one around the autumnal equinox that when it's near the actual time like we said like the 140 greenwich mean time is Uh uh-huh um, then you're not supposed to drink water at that particular time. Oh. So the idea is is that water might be poisoned uh, at that particular time. So they, like the superstition is that water is dangerous 
at time of the equinox. So be really careful about it. And like, you know, one of the rumors is is that superstition might've came from as when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac and got a little blood on the knife. Like the idea was that the, the blood spilled into the soil at the time of the equinox or whatever. And so it's a little bit of Isaac's blood that might be in the water. Oh, I see. So that idea is that it's dangerous because Isaac's blood is in the water at the particular time. And that's, I was just, I'd never heard of that particular, uh, I had to look into the, the Jewish magic and superstition book to find anything about yeah, that. Not familiar. Yeah. And it's only supposed to be drinking water at the instant of the Takufa. And um, so a lot of people played it safe and they just didn't drink water on the equinox in like, in like middle ages, mm. Europe particularly like in, in Germany and in the Jewish communities and Europe, the Ashkenazi communities, they thought that uh, this was dangerous to drink water. And so one of the things is you would put, you put iron in the water because iron okay. is supposed to, uh, you know, ward off things, mm-hmm. evil, you know, and every, evil spirits playing with you and stuff like, so the blood enabled evil spirits to get in the water. Uh, you could put in some salt, or the other thing is you don't have any open water on the equinox and you, you cover up your water sources so no evil stuff can uh, get in okay. on the Takufa. So uh, learn something new about yeah. Middle Ages Jewish culture and that's always that's a fun time when you're like, oh yeah, like what did you learn today? Well, I learned you don't drink water <laughs> on the Takufa, dummy. All right. So some other fun stuff about Mabon. So if you're thinking about having foods particular things to celebrate your solstice you might want to think about uh apples of course pomegranates are a big mm, one yummy now the, the thing what else connects pomegranates to uh, this particular thing is uh the legend of persephone who i brought up before ah okay and so persephone actually that's a symbol you guys did you watch um sharp objects on hbo do you watch that show yet no not yet okay this isn't a spoiler or anything, but Persephone is one of the themes. And if you guys don't remember the story from your grade school mythology class. So Demeter is the goddess of um, well, the harvest and life and you know food and awesome things and growing things. So you pray to Demeter and Demeter helps your things grow. So Zeus knocks up Demeter, like as, as Zeus does. He went around, had yeah. a lot of sex. And uh, probably in the fall because his testosterone was up. And he had a lot of kids with various people, goddesses and stuff like that. So he has, he makes the sweet love to Demeter and they have a daughter, Persephone, who's incredibly beautiful. Okay. And Demeter loves Persephone so much and is so happy, blah, blah, blah. Well, Hades, the lord of the underworld, he falls in love with uh, Persephone from afar. And he's like, oh, I'd really like to make her my wife. But then when you ask somebody, hey, do you want to come over and just be in the land of the dead? And in the underworld, and she's used to all this life and wonderfulness. She's like, no. <laughs> so what happens is uh, Hades sees where Persephone is like playing or frolicking with some sp- sprites and pixies and crap. And then he opens up the ground where she is. Uh-oh. She falls through, snaps her and takes her to the underworld. Aww. Puts the ground back together before anybody knows what happened. So Persephone's off to the underworld. Hades... Uh, you know, kidnaps her. That's, I mean, the Greeks were always, in Greek mythology, I shouldn't say the Greeks were, but the Greek mythology people are always kidnapping women 
taking them to their cave or whatever, <laughs> taking them to their city, the Trojan War, the whole deal. So Persephone's in the underworld. Demeter doesn't know where she is, and she starts freaking out. Oh. And the thing is, the only two people who know that Hades took uh, Persephone are Helios, the god of the sun, because Helios sees everything that happens under the sun, and Zeus, because he's the king of the gods and he knows this stuff. Now, Hades is Zeus's brother, and Zeus is just like, doesn't want to get him in trouble, and so he keeps quiet, and Helios doesn't want to deal with the affairs of the gods or whatever, so Helios keeps quiet. So Demeter freaks out. She goes all over the world to try to find her daughter, and I mean, and there's this whole thing about her journey and stuff. And then she gets molested by Poseidon and oh. uh, she's like a horse and he's molests her as like a merman like this. All these weird things happen. Horrible things happen Creepy. to her when she's yeah, when she's searching for her daughter. But the thing is, they all contribute to her just being mad at the world and shutting all the life down. OK, so what she does is she says, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm going home. We're not going to grow anything. She takes away all the food she she makes everything die she creates winter so she creates winter Uh and kills off everything because she's mad that her daughter is gone fair enough okay and then what happens is that zeus is like oh no (laughs) like everything's dying i better do something and he finally says to uh he finally you know he says to hades like you dude you got to bring her back (laughs) <laughs> like you know, her mom's freaking out. Everything's dead. Like winter sucks, and it's all because you couldn't keep it in your underworld pants. <sighs> and so Hades is like, you know what? I'll give her a choice. I'll give her a choice to go back. And you know, here's something I just thought of, Wendy. Yeah. And I didn't realize this before. Now, one of the things we always talk about when we talk about fairies and the fairy world mm-hmm. is that when you were in the fairy world, you're not supposed to eat anything. Because if you oh, eat yeah. something, you get stuck there. Right. Well, Persephone, she knows that if she eats something in the underworld, she's going to be stuck in the underworld. Okay. But it's been, she's been there for a long Starving. time. Starving. So, so hungry. She has a few pomegranate seeds. Oh, dear. Oh, honey. Right. And, that, and that's it. So then Hades is like, she made a choice. She had some pomegranate seeds. She's my wife, at she's least fine. for a few months out of the yeah. year. So Zeus is like, hold on, we got to strike a deal. And so he makes it like one month for each pomegranate seed of winter. Oh, okay. And he says that she can be with her mother for half the year and with you for the other half of the year because she did eat when she was down there. So she did choose to become part of the underworld by eating, even if she was just really, really hungry. And that's sad too, because I mean, how are three pomegranate seeds going to help your hunger? Really? (laughs) Right. It's just going to make you want more. Not at all. It's, that's the crap part of the legend. You think it'd be a cornucopia or something like that. Like, oh, no, she had three pizzas. And so we should have a month for each pizza. Unfair. But it's, instead, it's pomegranate seeds. And so when she's up in the outer world with Demeter, with her mother, Demeter is the happiest lady on there. And so that's why things grow. That's why we have summer. That's why beautiful blue skies. And when she leaves Demeter and goes back to the underworld, well, that's why we have winter, because Demeter is sad <laughs> that her daughter's been taken away from her. Aww. So we talk about uh, pomegranates. That's one of the reasons that they are associated with fall as well. So it's it's not just the... Um, the harvest time for those. Yeah, the harvest time. We also have a cool story uh, from Greek mythology. That is cool. It's very similar to the story of Mabon as well, because his mother was upset when he was stolen from him. You know, and the thing is, the Romans were occupying Britain 
mm-hmm. in like the year 100. I mean, the Hadrian's Wall was built in like 280 or whatever. So, I mean, the Romans were there. So we could have some cross-pollination of uh, stories and things like that coming. That could be their version of the Demeter story. But either way, it's still... Uh, very similar, and that's one of the reasons the neo-pagans call this specific festival of the autumnal equinox uh, Maybone. You know what? I'm just going to call it Maybone the rest of the time, because Maybone right. sounds tougher. That works. Sounds kind of yeah. cool. So we're going to have, on Maybone, we're going to eat breads, nuts, apples, pomegranates, and then harvest vegetables like potatoes, carrots, and onions. Cool. All sounds right. Tasty. So that's what, you, that's what you're going to get in your Hello Fresh package that week <laughs> for Maybone. <laughs> And the colors of Maybone are red, orange, brown, gold. The uh, things like you know, just like you have oh, in your. Yeah. If you go to the shopping mall right now, you'll see them all over the place. That's right. You probably like you know the colors of gourds. <laughs> uh, activities, things you should do on Maybone. Okay. Uh, make wine. All right. All right. So now I like talking. that right there. Yeah. Get gather dried herbs. So get your herbs uh, ready for yeah. the winter. Okay. I don't have any dried herbs, so I'm gonna have to just go to the get them from the grocery store or whatever. <laughs> you should walk in the woods. Sounds uh, nice. Oh, you should offer you should offer libations to trees. I forgot about that. Awesome. You're supposed to offer trees drinks. What kind of drinks do they like? You know what? Um, I'm gonna look that up because I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what you would. Trees drinking on Maybin. Uh, let's see what. And that is a weird. That is the weirdest Google search I've made today. <laughs> Well, cider and apple juice, of course. That's kind of weird. It's like cannibalism. Is that cannibalistic? <laughs> Would yeah. you just like pour an apple and like drink your children? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you can pour it on oak. Pomegranate juice. Bourbon. Okay. Okay. This particular article suggests grape wine, apple juice, IPAs, and amber ales. All the good stuff. Yep, a corn and rice beverage. So rice beverage, I mean, I guess that you can drink your Budweiser. It's a rice beer. Or your sake. Or sake, yeah. Uh, cranberry juice and berry drinks. Wow, pretty much anything those trees will drink. They're not picky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, whatever you're going to pour something on them or mead or whatever. If you're going to pour mead on a tree, he's not going to turn it down. True, true. Yeah, he's probably going to sit there and take it. Take it like a tree. Um, <laughs> Standing up. <laughs> hey. <sighs> so, uh, yeah. So make sure you uh, give the trees some alcohol and stuff like that on Mabin. And let's, you know, in Japan, they have a special autumnal equinox day. And that's a religious day for them. Um, because in like Japanese Buddhism, from where the land of the dead is. That's uh, like the sun sets in the area where the land of the dead is on oh. that particular day of the year. Okay. So um, they have a particular thought about it too. And it's a, it's a holy day for them as well. If you are a Japanese Buddhist, some other fun things. Um, there's another myth that, you know, I remember hearing, but I never tested it out. Was that your, like your, your shadow casts differently on the equinox. Oh, that's cool. You don't, you don't cast a shadow. Okay. If it's right at that certain time at like 140 Greenwich mean time or whatever, like you're not, huh. you, don't, you don't cast the correct shadow on the equinox. That is also not true. So the only place where that might even happen is if you are directly standing on the equator 
when the clock strikes noon on the equinox, <laughs> if you directly stand on the equator, then you would not cast a shadow because it'd be directly above yeah. you and it'd be right at that point. Like everything's equal and stuff. And so your shadow would be just right below that's you. That's a tough one to test. Yeah. Because you got to get to the equinox. I mean, you have to, I mean, you have to get to the equator. So that's, an, that's another myth <sighs> about things that happen, uh, you know, during that. Also, it's not exactly 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of darkness. Oh, it really depends on where you are. So it is going to be the the time of the year when the the amount of daylight and the amount of darkness are closest to each other. Uh-huh. But because we don't live on the equator, Wendy, we live in Wisconsin where it's cold. True. It is not. Um, it's not twelve hours of daylight and twelve hours of darkness. Right. And it'll never be because we're not exactly in the exactly. Center. Yeah. So that's just. So you guys, if you're telling people, oh yeah, it's twelve hours of daylight, on you know. You're wrong, oh, unless you live in the equator. So if yeah. you live in one of the equatorial, if you live in equatorial Guinea, enjoy your twelve you live hours. In equatorial Guinea, yeah, have oh. fun with that twelve hours of daylight and twelve hours of darkness, and your your lack of shadows at noon. That's right. <laughs> so you really get to have a good party. But the thing is, if you are below the equator, then it's not the autumnal equinox. Oh yeah, no, that's true. It's it's not the autumnal equinox. No, it's the spring. If so, if so, you you could be one place it's the autumnal equinox, one place it's the vernal equinox. Oh, depending yeah. on where your legs are, if you straddle the equator. Yeah, so like <laughs> if you go to Iceland, you can you can be in like one continent. You know, you can you can go where the continental shelf is or whatever. So you can have one leg in Europe and one leg in like the different plates and stuff. So that's what it's like if you live in Equatorial Guinea. <laughs> so that's a little bit of the fun stuff there and the, um, more of the strange uh you know that we even have these superstitions like who's thinking about this stuff enough that they're like they want to tell people about it number one who's thinking about the egg is what i want to know i don't know that's a good question yeah who's like you know that's an, that seems like another case of like where god punked abraham or whatever yeah. and he was like just kidding like I somebody was good. saying like what can we make these stoops believe Oh, I know what we can do. We can make these guys believe you can bounce an egg during the equinox. <laughs> and then they're going to tell it to the oh. rest of third grade. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, it's um, when we get to the harvest, it's also uh, there's different spells that are good for the harvest. And harmony and balance because of that, because of the equinox and stuff. So this is when we want to cast, an, I guess, a spell to keep your life in balance. So if you're struggling with work-life balance, this is the day to get your ritual going when you're when you ask the the stars for wisdom and you cut your mm. apple in half. Okay. Um yeah, so this is you kind of want to get harmony and balance together for the winter. This is the time to do it. And it's a time of the mysteries. Fun. Yes, it's a time where people think about uh you know, the big things in life. Why are we here? What's going on? You know, like, I like to think it's probably because it's also an introspective interest, time of introspection, too, because you're not working in the fields anymore. I mean, we st- we still work in the fields on the podcast or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like we we don't have a heart like we're we're harvesting. Right. We're harvesting for you every week. <laughs> but if you're in ancient times or whatever, then you're like, you know, we're going to take a break. And I was reading a I can't remember what book I was reading, but they were talking about how if you were, let's say you were in Europe or particularly in Western Europe, like France or Germany or something, in the Middle Ages and you were a peasant, you spent the winter 
like 16 hours in bed. Oh, wow. That sounds nice, actually. There's nothing to do. <laughs> it does sound Right. They, there was nothing, like, I mean, think about if it's snowy. Yeah. And there's no, um, so you save up all your food and everything in the harvest time. You save it for the winter. And then when the winter comes, like, you, you don't have to shovel your driveway to get to work. <laughs> you just stay, because there's no work because everything's dead. So you just right. stay in bed. So, I mean, if you live off the land, I mean, I guess if you have cows and stuff, you got to feed the cows. Yeah. You got to get out of bed for that. But anyway, things you can do if you want to, if you want to celebrate Maybong uh, is you want to meditate and pray for balance in your life. Praying for peace is a good time. You plant seeds. This is where you can you plant the seeds of intention in your own life for peace and harmony and things like that. And so that's traditionally the kind of magic that they do. Uh, you don't need to have an apple, but an apple will help when you're doing your rituals. Cool. They're Maybone. And you don't need to be at Stonehenge, but it's extra badass <laughs> if you are at Stonehenge. Looks like so much fun. Yeah, make sure you now bring your hand drum, whatever kind it is, or yeah. if you've got finger cymbals or something, you bring those to Stonehenge. And then sing the sunspot song, Mother of Time. And while you're there. While you sacrifice a virgin at 140 <laughs> oh, Oh, yes. But the thing is, if you find uh, if you're singing a sunspot song, by the time you get to the end, there might not be any virgins left. Oh my hey. goodness! Alrighty then. That's right. You can pick up a copy of our latest album uh, <laughs> at sunspotuniverse.com. Anyway, after the equinox is a time for love, and nothing is a good soundtrack for love like the wonders of the invisible that world. Is by true. Time. Anyway, that is true. Speaking of music. Here's a, a song about Maybone, Maybone, to keep your equinox humming. Here's a rock song. Well, we had to, we had to go back into the King Arthur stuff for this yes. one. Because you can't just tell me a story about King Arthur, like, hanging out with a bunch of magical animals right. to save the son of the goddess and not want us to write a song about it. And, plus, Hadrian's Wall is the, uh, if you guys watch Game of Thrones or have read any of the song Ice and Fire, Hadrian's Wall is the inspiration behind the wall. Uh. In that. And when have you ever visited Hadrian's Wall? I don't think so. It's pretty cool. Now, it, if you guys don't know what Hadrian's Wall is, this was the edge of the Roman Empire. So when the Romans had occupied Britain uh, in the early zeros, you know, and when the Romans had occupied Britain, the emperor built this wall to say this is the edge of the Roman Empire and everything beyond it is like the land of the savages. You know, that's where they, they were afraid of the of the Celtic tribes, the Picts, and the different tribes who would, you know, rebel against Roman rule. And so the wall was there to help them, uh, you know, fight off the, the native tribes and, and help the Romans colonize the place. And so it's like 84 miles long. Or but Hadrian's Wall is not as, it's not like a big impressive wall today. Oh, okay. It's like a couple, I mean, because it's, you know, almost 2,000 years old. It's only a couple feet yeah. high. It's eroded away a bit. Yeah. You're just like, hey, look at this little, I could probably keep bunnies out. <laughs> and that's about it. But it's still awesome. Hadrian's Wall is still awesome. Uh, it's still a cool place to go there. And it's real pretty, the rolling English countryside and stuff. And it's still, it's still a beautiful place to check out if you guys can. And the history is very interesting. So when we could integrate Hadrian's Wall, King Arthur, we're going to do it. So you got to check out this song inspired by the autumnal equinox in 2018 and the awesome festival Maybone. Here is Beyond the Wall. 
you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at OthersidePodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Well, before the actual equinox is here, Mike, there's something exciting happening next weekend. Oh, what's happening next weekend? The Mothman Festival. Oh, yes. And our co-host, Allison, is going to be presenting there. So anyone who is in Point Pleasant to check that out, make sure and say hello to Allison and uh, see what she has to say about the Chicago Mothman. It's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. She's going to be at at the Mothman Festival in Point Pleasant. Now, I'm the only guy on the show that hasn't been to Point Pleasant, so I'm going to have have to to rectify that situation sometime soon. We're we're off balance here, Mike. We need you to go experience it for yourself. (laughs) Yes. So go see Allison this weekend if you were anywhere near the uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia area. Now, if you are one of our Patreon members, we want to give you a special shout out because you are awesome. Like Wendy was... Wendy and Scott got to hang out with our buddy Chuck, with our with our Patreon yes. Chelsea in Illinois. So much fun. Like so, Wendy even went on a Patreon pilgrimage, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to going on one too and uh, meeting our Patreons in person. And you know what? The hangouts over Google are very fun. <laughs> Yes. What What's nice is that I feel like I know everybody yeah. now. Like after we've talked for like the you know we've talked for the past couple of years. Oh yeah. I feel like I know everybody. Yeah. And so when we see you at a paranormal convention, or we see you at a sunspot show, or we see you in a sanitarium somewhere, it's going to be a lot more fun because we get to know each other on the Google oh, Hangouts, yeah. and we want you guys to be part of our next Google Hangout. Yes. And you can do that by visiting othersidepodcast.com/slash/donate for as little as. $3 a month. It's pretty cheap. $3 a month, that's not even a Frappuccino. <laughs> that Really, that isn't even a Frappuccino. I went actually, even in an indie coffee shop, not even a Starbucks. I went to my local coffee shop on Saturday. I got a cool ghost story from the guy who nice. owned it. And I'll tell you guys about that later when we cover maybe some more into the smiley face killers. Oh, boy. But I paid you know, like $4.50. I mean, I tipped them because it's the local guy, right? And you're going to tip, you're gonna tip the yeah, local guys to get good service. But the thing is, I paid $4.50 for a cup of wow. coffee. Yeah, I could have been at our Google you Hangout, Wendy. You could have. And, Mike, we have to give a big extra special Equinox shout to Ned. Ned, please enjoy 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of darkness in the finest way possible, my friend. Yes, and thank you for being a member that gets this personalized shout out every month. You rock. That's right. You guys all rock. We're happy to, to have such a great community, and um, we look forward to new people joining us, too. Absolutely. And we hope you guys know we're going to celebrate the Equinox a day late with the party on the pavement in Racine, Wisconsin. But if you're anywhere near the area, come out and party with us and we will give you a special Equinox shout out if you mention that from stage at the party on the pavement. So come to the show in Racine if you're in the area. We know we have a lot of Wisconsin and Illinois listeners. Um, So if you're in Illinois across the border, if you're in Wisconsin, don't be afraid of downtown Racine. It's beautiful. (laughs) And come down for an Equinox party at Party on the Pavement on September 22nd at 3 p.m. That's not Greenwich Mean Time. That's Central Time. And we'll see if we can live cast a little for our Patreon community. That would be great. If you guys would like to become part of our Patreon community and you aren't yet part of it, just check out othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Thanks for listening. Let me find the ritual here. I lost it now because I was looking up freaking gourds. Okay.
everything's dead. Like winter sucks. And it's all because you couldn't keep it in your underworld pants. <laughs>